All right, welcome to another exciting episode of Until Dawn. My name is Koi, but unfortunately, my wife Alicia can't be here to record because if you listen to the last one, you would you know that she is currently at Ohio State Reformatory conducting an investigation. But I know she'll be here for the next one, and I'm sure she's going to have some great stories to tell us. There are a couple events coming up that I want to mention. The first event is at Malvern Manor with Dustin Perry and KJ McCormick. This is going to be on May 20th, so it's right around the corner. So if you don't have your tickets yet, I suggest you get out there and get them. You can find out more information and tickets at nickgroftour.com. Also on August 4th and 5th is the Kansas City Paracon. This is going to be a two-day event that's going to have some great speakers, as well as an investigation of the Lodge. And you can find out more information about that, as well as tickets at KansasCityParacon.net and I'll put all these addresses in the show notes so they'll be easy to find. So before Felicia left to go to Ohio State Reformatory, we went and saw a movie called Phoenix Forgotten, which is about three teens who go into the desert shortly after the Phoenix Lights, hoping to document the strange events that are occurring in their town. They disappear that night and are never seen again. Then 20 years later, the sister of one of the kids begins looking for them. That's pretty much all I'm going to say story-wise in case someone hasn't seen it and wants to. I will say that it's found footage, kind of like The Blair Witch. So if you like that, that's good. If not, this movie may not be really for you. But the reason we went to go see it was because it was based on the Phoenix Lights. So prior to going to see the movie, I didn't actually know a whole lot about the Phoenix Lights. I knew of it. Of course, it happened in 1997. I'm not going to lie. I was like 15 years old, so... And if I remember correctly, I want to say I've already moved back to the Midwest from California at this time, and I don't remember hearing a whole lot about it. Maybe if we'd still been living in California at the time, maybe would have heard more just because of where it was located. So when this movie came out, I found it really interesting and really enjoyed the fact that it was based on true events. And not how some stuff says it's inspired by a true story, but it's actually inspired by a true story that has nothing to do whatsoever with the movie. This was obviously tied into the events that happened. So after we saw the movie, I kind of started looking more into the actual event that occurred and decided that this would be a great topic to do a show on. So let's take a quick break and get into our main topic, the Phoenix Lights. sudden draft from a window that was supposed to have been closed. A chill at the back of the neck. Groans, creaks, and bumps in the night. Man has always been frightened by the dark. Troubled by noises just beyond the reach of lights. Occurrences just beyond the reach of understanding. All right. So the Phoenix Light was a mass UFO sighting which occurred on Thursday, March 13, 1997. There were sightings prior to Phoenix near Henderson, Nevada and Prescott, Arizona, but the main one that everyone talks about are the lights that were seen in Phoenix. These lights were reported by thousands of people between 7.30 and 10.30 in a space about 300 miles long from the Nevada line through Phoenix to the edge of Tucson. Like I said, the majority of people talk about the lights that actually 
were seen in Phoenix. The most frequently seen sequence of lights were lights appearing one by one, and then they would actually go out one by one. And they were estimated to be as large as one mile in diameter when they were hovering over the city of Phoenix. Other people saw similar sequences reportedly taking over a half hour period and showing a different number of lights in a V-shaped formation. That's the picture that most people actually see when it comes to the Phoenix lights. There was a picture that was actually done by a newspaper that I'll share on our Instagram and Twitter. But that's what the majority of the people saw, was a large V-shaped formation. One of the things that I find most compelling about this event is the fact that thousands of witnesses throughout Arizona reported the same thing. A silent, mile-wide V-shaped craft with a varying number of orbs on the bottom of it. And a significant number of witnesses also reported that the craft was silent and that it flew directly overhead at a very low altitude. I was able to find a video interview that was done after the incident of Tim Lay. Him and his family first saw the lights when they were above Prescott Valley. He says he was about 65 miles away from them. So I'm going to play the audio from that interview now and I will put a link to the video in the show notes in case anybody wants to watch the interview. The latest chapter into a strange valley encounter. Three months ago tonight, something strange happened in the skies over Arizona that still hasn't been fully explained. And in reality, we may never know exactly what happened that night. Tonight, first on Fox, we hear from a Phoenix family who may have been closer to whatever it was in the sky, closer than anyone else. It's getting closer and closer and we're saying, you know, that thing's coming right at us. Tim Lee and his family are among the hundreds of witnesses who've come forward to talk about the night of March 13th, an event now known as the Phoenix Lights. The Lees first saw the lights while looking north from their home in the Sunny Slope Mountains. When it finally got here and we realized this thing was coming right over us, we really started getting antsy. And then when it went directly overhead without a sound, it was like, it was like that, it was so big. You couldn't even hear the wind. It was so quiet. It was just, it just didn't even do anything. It just came through. These images of what they saw are made on a computer. They're a combination of digital photos of the landscape taken by Lee and computer drawings of the objects his family saw in the sky. It was a giant V, all right? And the right side of the V went over us. The left side was like a couple blocks over it. You just didn't know what to do. You know, it was just like, my God, how big is this thing? It didn't seem threatening but because when, when it was right overhead and we couldn't hear a sound, it was like you're just awestruck. Jim Delatoso has been researching UFOs for 20 years. Right now, he's in the middle of putting together a virtual reality model of what happened that night. He's talked to hundreds of witnesses about the night of March 13th, including the Leaves. He thinks that he said if he had a tennis ball, he could have hit it. He could have thrown a tennis ball at it. It was that close. It was very close. He just could have nailed it. I consider Tim Lee and his family to be very reliable and very important in the data that they've given us because they were so close that they could look up and, as they said, almost touch it. The last light went right over my wife and I, and there was no light on the ground. But I could see up inside that it was almost like a recess 
and it had fluorescent like light inside, like a gas light of some kind. You could see right through the middle of it, but it was like looking through two-way glass, like through a mirage that you see on the highway or something, or just when it's real hot. Right through there, you can see through, but there's no light coming back or anything like that. It was just really weird. This is the first time in the series of reports of that night that someone said that they looked up and saw a structured object. As it went over, it went straight like, like through this V right there, over that guy's house. It took about 15 minutes to get from way from, from when we first saw it all the way till we couldn't saw it. No one knows for sure what happened that night in the skies over Arizona in March, but thousands of people saw something. It's a night the Lees will never forget. We just re-experience it every time we tell it. You know, it, it's like, it's, it was just yesterday, you know. Um, we've just never seen anything like it. I was always a, a very polite skeptic. I would never tell something. If they told me they saw something, I would never say, you're a liar or anything like that, because I don't know. But now I don't know what to think, because um, this is impossible. Bring up the eerie music, please. This is weird stuff. Jim Delatoso, the UFO expert in that story, says the Phoenix Lights event in March is being talked about now all over the world, and he says he wouldn't be surprised if in the future the curious will flock to Arizona looking for something. So there you go. I felt that interview really showed how people responded to what happened as well as what they saw and really how much of a big deal it was because you certainly don't see families on the news today talking about seeing UFOs. Of course, not all the responses to the Phoenix Lights were quite like that one. Of course, the U.S. Air Force had a much different response to the Phoenix Lights and explained that the event in Phoenix was from slow-falling, long-burning illumination flares that were dropped by the flight of four A-10 Warthogs. They're doing a training exercise at Barry Goldwater Range at Luke Air Force Base. Their explanation was that the flares would have been visible in Phoenix and that they would appear to hover due to the rising heat from the burning flares. This would create a balloon effect on the parachutes, which would then slow the descent of the flares, which, in my opinion, is completely feasible minus the fact that they people saw the lights over a 300 mile stretch and that they were moving in unison over the city of Phoenix. But that's strictly my opinion. Not to mention the fact that if the flares were dropped by an A-10 Warthog, I imagine somebody would have either seen them being dropped or heard them when the A-10 Warthogs were flying by dropping the flares. There was other responses though. Frances Barwood was a city councilwoman in 1997 in Phoenix who launched an investigation into the event. She said that of the over 700 witnesses that she interviewed, the government actually never interviewed a single one. The reason that she launched an investigation into the event was prior to the city council meeting, she was asked by some residents of Phoenix 
what was being done about the event. She didn't know anything about the event when she was approached, so she went ahead and brought it up in the city council meeting. When she did so, she was completely ignored. They acted as if she did not even ask a question at all. And then after the city council meeting, she was actually approached and was told that she should not have brought that up. And that may be because the city government had a completely different response in mind. Shortly after the incident occurred, the Arizona governor at the time, Fife Symington, held a press conference stating that they had found who was responsible. And he then proceeded to bring his aide at the time on stage dressed in an alien costume. He had a big gray alien mask and a silvery alien costume. He then told the crowd that they were taking this whole thing way too serious which you can actually still find video of that press conference on YouTube and it's pretty unbelievable that he actually did that. One thing that the public did not know at the time of this press conference was the fact that Governor Simington actually did witness the UFOs during the 97 event. He just chose not to go public with that information at the time. Of course, that could have been done for multiple reasons. One, possibly not to cause panic. Or, he could have possibly been instructed not to say anything about actually seeing the lights himself. Or the craft. But in an interview that he gave in 2007, he did just that. Stating that he was a pilot and that he had seen or knew of just about every machine that was man-made that flew. And he said that it was bigger than anything that he'd ever seen. He also said that he wasn't the only person that saw it, and other responsible people saw it as well. That tells me that he's trying to validate the event and saying that responsible and highly educated people saw the same thing as everyone else. That it wasn't just some crazy guy in a tinfoil hat. He then goes on to talk about how it was enormous and inexplainable. He said, who knows where it came from? A lot of people saw it, and I saw it too. He also said that it couldn't have been flares because it was way too symmetrical. It had a geometric outline and maintained a constant shape. I do commend him for coming forward and doing that interview, stating that he saw everything that everyone else saw that night because that's not something that he had to do by any means. All right, so this is just a small overview kind of of what happened and what everyone's response was to that incident. The good thing is is that because of when this incident happened and the fact that approximately 10,000 people saw it, that there is no shortage of information out there. There pretty much isn't a UFO show on TV that has not done an episode on the Phoenix Lights, as well as a documentary that I watched in preparation for this episode, which is called The Phoenix Lights Documentary, or I've also seen it called The Phoenix Lights Documentary, We're Not Alone. But like I said, there is a ton of information out there on the Phoenix Lights, which still remains a mystery to this day. There was two reappearances, one in 2007, happening in February, and an additional incident that happened in 2008 in April 
neither of the incidents were of the magnitude as the original incident and according to the Air Force Base both did happen because of flares again all right well I would say that pretty much does it for this episode of until dawn if you have any stories about the Phoenix lights or you know a similar incident and you'd like to share it with us please do so you can email us at until dawn podcast at gmail.com or you can also reach us on social media we're on instagram twitter with a username at until dawn podcast also if you have an event and you'd like us to mention it on an upcoming episode please get in contact with us before i do get out of here though i want to say thank you to everyone that's went in and given us a review on itunes it really helps get the show out there to more people by making it easier for people to find the podcast so if you are enjoying the podcast rate and review us on itunes that way more people can find it and until next time i'm coy and this is until dawn